Yo, peace to the planet Earth. Um, this is your boy Deese, man. You know what I mean? And um, we have a dope show for you today. But I literally just found out that DMX actually passed. And um, I had actually originally intended to do a show uh, strictly about DMX uh, anyway, when, when I first found out that he got sick. Um, then there was, you know, people thought he had passed when he hadn't. Now, apparently, uh, the brother has passed away. And, you know, um, we're going to do a show, you know. Um, I just want to tell you that, you know, I know other people like, oh, you were talking about doing the MF Doom show and you haven't done it. And the reason I haven't done an MF Doom show is because I like to do things right. I'm not going to be the first person to break news. You're, you're rarely, if ever, going to get breaking news from Bishop Chronicles, but you will always get real news. You And, and I'm not going to do the show until I'm giving you new information and getting you some new perspectives that aren't already out there. All right. So I have a couple people lined up to be guests. Um, and in some ways, I've been thinking about combining the shows, um, but I, but I'm still working on them. You know what I'm saying? But, you know, um, sometimes I think, you know, the, the people have all these ideas about who artists are. They don't really know the demons that they deal with. They think that they have a right to post stuff about them and say stuff about anybody. And I guess, you know, like, Technically, that's true, especially coming from America. Like, I believe in free speech, right? But, you know, um, one, 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 one of my old teachers said, you know, everybody wants to talk about rights, but nobody wants to talk about responsibility. He didn't come up with that idea. But when you look at social media, TikTok, what's happening on IG and Twitter, man, like, you know, we got rights but we're not being responsible. What is your responsibility to an MC who gave so much? What is your responsibility to an artist who, who collapsed through addiction, right? Who came from one of the deadliest eras that ever existed in American street stuff with the crack and the, and the crime and the, and the guns and the abuse. You know what I'm saying? We need to start thinking like that, man. DMX, I never met you. I got to give you so much respect and gratitude for so much that you've given to hip hop. And I know that you endured a lot that would have broke a lot of people a long time ago. And um, Bishop Chronicles will do your memory justice, I promise. All right, now about to jump into this really sick thing on, on hip hop, comics, NFTs. It's going to be crazy. Talk soon. Many blessings. Worldwide West Side. Teacher, what's that? It's Peace to the planet Earth. You know what it is, Adisa Banjoko, the bishop of hip-hop. You know what I'm saying? The black Ron Burgundy of the hood. I'm out here, you know what I'm saying? And I'm chilling with my man, Sean Crystal, Ink Pulp. Like, he's like a cartoonist, podcaster, uh, 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 inward journeyman. You know what I'm saying? Like, like all kind of stuff going on, you know what I mean? So we're going to talk about hip-hop, and we're going to talk about comics today. We're going to talk about, like, how that history, the, as we remember it, came about. And, you know, he's an incredible artist. When I say incredible, I really mean incredible. Plus, we're going to be talking about NFTs, you know what I'm saying? That's kind of like the Bitcoin path of artistry right now. And um, I'll, remind me to tell you my uh, 
my 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 Bitcoin story because it ends in oh, tragedy. Okay. Oh no! But, um, Did you but, lose um, your password? Your digital man? Wallet? No, it's 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 worse than that. It's worse than that. All right. So, All right. man, welcome to Bishop Chronicles, man. Uh, you know, uh, we got connected through Mike Realm. You know what I'm saying? And yes. you know, shout out to Mike. He always knows cool people. And then me and you talk like once or twice, and we we hit it hard off off, yeah, the, off the bat, man. But for, for sure. those that don't know about what you do and why you do it, and I'm saying he's awesome. Like, tell people, you know, uh, who you are, and what you do, player. All right. So uh, my name is Sean Crystal. Like you said, all my online stuff is ink pulp. That's my business, my art business. And I've worked in comics for like the past 15 or so years, worked for Marvel, worked for DC, primarily both of those companies. I've worked for other companies like Dark Horse and Boom and Oni as well. I'm in love with Dark Horse just because of Usagi. Yeah. Oh man, I got good stories about Stan. Dude, uh, you gotta tell me. Like, I'm like, I am uncommonly like, like a complete nerd about everything dealing with your Jimbo off top. Oh, okay. Yeah, Stan. Uh, so I used to teach. Uh, I I built and ran the comic book department at uh, SCAD, which is Savannah College of Art and Design in the Atlanta campus. My friend Pat Quinn and I. Uh, were hired to create the program for the Atlanta campus. And shortly after we started teaching there, Pat got bumped up to Dean and then the department was just on me. So wow, I was, I taught every class in it and uh, I would have these um, twice a year events. One where we'd bring in editors mm -hmm. to review student work and give lectures. And then one where we bring in artists to do the same. Mm -hmm. so i had stan come in once and uh he's just the sweetest nice he seems like he's so dude. nice he is the I, nicest I, man i have a statue that i bought for my son uh with, with of katsuichi holding usagi on his shoulders oh nice you know what i'm saying and yeah. like like that statue is like a family thing you know what i mean like that's I love awesome. Stan Sakai's work. And I also really love his his uh, artistic rendition of the 47 Ronin. That's yeah. like my favorite, my favorite, um, my favorite like graphic novel kind of thing, adaption from like real history. Right, you know what I mean? Right, and right, like, right. I love it so much, man. So much. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Stan's an absolute sweetheart and a real, like, uh, real journeyman in comics and you know that uh i think it's netflix it has the usagi cartoon in development now don't make me cry on this show don't <laughs> make me cry on this show dude i'm pretty sure it's netflix but what? yeah he's got a cartoon in development wow that is beautiful man i can't wait to see it i absolutely cannot wait to see I know, it me too me too now you know when i think about hip-hop and comics you know um Ironically, I did one of the first articles on hip hop and comics in the in the in the source. Uh, there was a black comic book expo that happened in San Francisco uh, at a museum. And I think it was 1993. It might have been 92. Might have been 92. And I did this story. Um, at the time, there was a comic out of L.A. I think it was L.A. It was called Brother Man. 
I don't know if you remember Brother Man. That was a short-lived oh. cartoon, but he had a sick series. Um, and then there was what other comics were a part of that event. So I covered that. And that's kind of how my, my actual introduction. Now, truth be told, I'm not the biggest comic head. Um, the only comic slash graphic novel I ever really collected was Usagi. Was it? Okay. Um, okay. The only other one outside of that was... Do you remember or do you recall this um, comic that came out, I think, like 2012, maybe 2014? It was called Genius. It was about a girl. Yeah, who, that sounds familiar. It came out of something cow. Something top cow. Yes. Yeah. Top, top cow. cow yeah. Right. Yeah. And so she was like a genius who was like a chess player slash like military strategist uh-huh. and like there was like this police shooting and then the people were fighting the cops and she was actually the one like organizing the rebellion, but she was just like this 13 year old girl who was a genius. Okay. Okay. And she was kind of like forgotten by the system. And it was kind of about what happens when this system forgets a child and they come back for revenge. It was such a sick con like that needs to be a movie, but like, what do you remember? What do you remember you know, first talk to me about your initial love for comics and then and hip hop and then how and where did you see those worlds blending? I'm interested to know. All right. So uh, comics. I was a kid and I would get up on Saturday mornings just to watch the Spider-Man cartoon. And mm-hmm. I'm talking about the original 70s Spider-Man cartoon with the theme song mm-hmm. and everything. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm talking about. So where are you from originally? Just just because I know you're in ATL right now, but where are you from? Right. So I was born up in North Jersey. My whole family's Bayside, Queens, New York. I live hey, in Jersey. Queens. Yep, yep. Lived in Jersey and Queens as a baby. And then we moved down to Washington, D.C., Okay. And um, eventually settled in the suburbs outside of Washington in Columbia, Maryland. And that's where I spent most of my childhood. Wow. But with all of our family reunions and all of our holidays were us going up to New York to Queens for that. So mm-hmm. I was up there all the time and New- like feeling those roots in New York. I got were- allergies. I got allergies. I'm just saying. I got them too, man. (laughs) You probably got them worse being in Atlanta. Yeah, Atlanta's brutal. I have, I've started to kind of adapt and adjust. But when I moved down here, that was the first time I ever felt like I was wheezing, like having trouble breathing. I'd never felt that before. Um, But everything's covered in pollen right now. Like, yeah. So do you get like the local honey? Because everybody says the local honey. Yes, I do. And that helps. You believe in that? I do. I believe in that. And I also do neti pots regularly because I yeah. was getting sinus infections like, dude, I've had some multiple times a year. Infections. Yeah. And Crazy. when I started doing a neti pot regularly, I, I haven't had a sinus infection in like 10 years now. Dang. All right. Well, Changed all, right. all right. So you were you were going back and forth between like outside of D.C. and Queens. Right. right. So. Um, as a kid, I, I, w- I loved that Spider-Man cartoon and I loved to draw. Yeah. So I was like, this is what I want to do. I want to draw cartoons of Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. And, and I didn't, I was never really exposed to comics. Um, and then when I was about 15, which is late for getting into comics, I was in high school and a, and a buddy of mine saw me drawing or a classmate. I shouldn't even say mm-hmm. a buddy. And he was like, yo, I got something for you. And he bought in this book called The Dark Knight Returns, which was this 
um, seminal piece of comic work. It was a Batman story done mm-hmm. by Frank Miller set in, a, in an imagined future where Batman had been retired. And because of that, the, the, he just had so much creative freedom in what he could do with the story. And I read that and I was like, I, I didn't know comics could be like this. It was really mm-hmm. dark. It was really mm-hmm. mature. And I was an avid novel reader and I really liked Stephen King. And yeah. on the back of this comic book was a pull quote from Stephen King. No kidding. Yeah, I was like, how? This must be good if Stephen King's raving about it. And he was raving about it. Right. So I read it. It was like, holy shit. I didn't even realize Mm -hmm. comics could be like this. And at the time, I was like, I love movies because I was starting to study how like movies worked in terms of storytelling. And I love drawing. I was like, how can I combine these two? And after reading that, I was like, oh, this is it. It's right here. So then I did a deep dive. Now, Rewind, when I was about, man, what year did Beat Street come out? I don't even 84? Remember. Yeah, something like 80, that. 45, so, yeah. Uh, Beat Street fucked me up real good. Um, yeah. I, I was like, Run DMC was out, and I was really into it, and I was digging it, but there wasn't a lot of hip-hop around <laughs> that I could dig into. I'm going to look up when this thing came out, because it's killing me okay. right now. Continue. Okay. And so I saw Beat Street, like I saw Breaking, of course, but Beat Street was the first time. First off, Beat Street felt like it was an, a, a more realistic portrait of hip hop, of the world of hip hop, of the world it comes from, whereas like Breaking was like a fantasy. Dude, Breaking was horrible. <laughs> that was yeah. a horrible film. 84. <clears throat> 84. Okay, yeah. So Beat Street felt real and felt good. It, it was like it was a real story. And but the other thing that really got me in there was, I mean, my friends and I were breakdancing. We were listening to hip hop, you know, Herbie Hancock's rock. Yeah. And, uh, I had that on a 45. My dad got that as a 45 <laughs> for me as a gift. Dude, I couldn't stop listening to that. And Africa Bambata. And, um, Crazy. So I was getting into that. And then I saw uh, Beat Street and they were in it. But the thing that really grabbed me was it covered all aspects of the culture. So... It was the first time I saw a story about a graffiti artist. Dude. And being an artist. Ramo. Yeah, Ramo. R.I.P. Ramo. You know what I'm saying? Yep. <laughs> so I um I felt like I had a place in this world, in this world mm-hmm. of hip hop. Like I liked breakdancing. I liked the music, but I wasn't great at breakdancing. It wasn't bad. I wasn't great. And then I was after a horrible that, dancer. Still am. Yeah. <laughs> but after seeing that, I was like, Oh my God, I have, I have a role to play in this now. Yeah, yeah. So that opened me up to the world of graffiti, and then I discovered a uh, AM channel in DC, uh, thirteen sixty WEBB, and they would have a, a hip hop hour wow. uh, every Who Saturday, I think it was, and I would just record. Like, I yeah, just I was the record. same way. My grandmother was near a radio station called KPOO. And my, my parents would be like, oh, you want to stay at your grandma's? I'd be like, yep. And I would take my 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 uh, boombox over there. And I forget what time in the afternoon on Saturdays or Sundays they would play. But I would hit record and go hoop. You know what I mean? And that yep. was the best thing to listen to those shows later, man. That's so exactly. hilarious that you did the same stuff. Yeah, but what it did was it, it, it exposed me to uh, hip hop that nobody was hearing so like i remember hearing dana dane's nightmares and that me too i have it on one of my yep yep 
I got was the big one. That yeah. I got Jekyll and Hyde. You know yeah. what I mean? And like Houdini. I remember hearing yeah. Houdini on there. I remember hearing the Fresh uh, uh, Jazzy Jeff and Fresh Prince when they first came out on there. Crazy. So I love that. Then I also discovered right after it, they had a Go Go show. So being near DC, yeah, I, I enjoyed was that. Natural. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was awesome. So that really got me into hip hop and graffiti, and I got spray cans i had a backpack of spray cans i would my dad would buy me like uh plywood like big sheets that i could marker yeah, on do your pieces on yeah, yeah that's fresh and i started bombing this like middle upper class suburban neighborhood <laughs> everywhere and i was the only one doing it and my friends would come along with me and bomb shit too but one day my parents found my cans in my room and it didn't take long for them to put two and two together and they were like, he's actually going out and doing stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. They, yeah that yeah. was the end of my uh, spray can days. <laughs> they were not happy. Hold on. That is hilarious. That's so beautiful, though. I mean, um, yes, we, we yeah. had very parallel kind of things. I didn't do. So I was a tagger. Okay. Um, I was not. I was not a bomber. I've never had the skills ever, and I never tried because I knew I didn't have it. But I could right. tag. You know what I mean? Okay. So yeah, I was a bomber. I didn't do much tagging. I, I bombed. That is so like sad. I would plan them in my sketchbook and then I'd go out and bomb. And my graffiti name was Spyro. Yeah. I just bombed Spyro everywhere. Um, but so whenever we'd go to New York, like well, now that I was getting into this hip hop stuff, whenever we'd mm. go to New York and we go to Queens, which is where uh Run DMC was from. I would go nuts and I'd have my grandmother take me to like local record stores and, and I'd buy vinyls rack and, up on vinyl. and mixtapes and everything I could get my hands on. from. New now, York. what did your parents think of that? What did your grandma think of that? Because my dad was very supportive, actually. My father taught me how to scratch, but I think oh. a year or two in... They were like, mm, I don't they, know. They were fine with it. I don't think they really paid attention to it in, in terms of what it was. They were just like, oh, he likes going to the record store. Mm. I was, I mean, I was big into music always, even before my hip hop days. Right. You know, I was getting into metal and stuff. So Me too. They were, they were just like, that's just what Sean likes. So I don't think they realized like what I was They eating. didn't take too much stock of what it was. No, and I don't right. know that they ever did to tell you the truth i mean i remember like when nwa came out and i was just cranking that i think that was the first time they were like what are you listening to <laughs> i was like fuck the police dad yeah that's what it is you know what i'm saying <laughs> that's hilarious what was the first rap show that you went to that you remember going to oh sh shit did you go to the fresh fest when they when they were out i went to the fresh fest that was no i was coliseum event yeah, I wanted to go. I, I remember um, like EPMD was there and they like, so let me rewind a little bit. So the, mm. the kid that turned me on to the comics and this was when I was 15. So I was into really big into hip hop and rap right. like from like 84, you know, for a few years. And then I kind of kept my ear to it, but lost track of it and got, and then I started skateboarding and got really into punk mm. rock. And didn't know what was going on in the hip hop world. This now, who did you listen to in the punk world? Oh, dude, I, I my favorite stuff. I mean, I was in DC, so it was Minor Threat, Bad Brains, and all that stuff. Loved Ooh, it. But love New York Brains. hardcore scene was my shit. Like Cro-Mags. Cro-Mags. Cro yeah. That Age of Coral record is is still 
the one I've listened to the most and continue to listen to the most yeah. from that whole yeah. era. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, the New York hardcore scene was my jam. That is and so when we go to New York, I'd go to the record. I remember getting like AOD, like all these DRI records in New yeah. York at the same shop. I was getting hip hop, hip hop stuff at later. But so hip hop, when I first got into it, was it was like happy party music. Mm -hmm. And I didn't realize it was going through this change while yeah. I was away from it. So right. in that same classroom, there was this he was like the captain of the football team, this big, big dude. And, and he would just watch me draw and we'd shoot the shit and, and he'd be like, what do you listen to? And he was just all hip hop. Yeah. yeah. At that time, it was impossible not to be almost. Right. Yeah. So he said, look, make me a tape of what you like and I'll make you a tape of what I like. Don't you love those friends, bro? Dude, this huh? changed my life. This changed my life. And I'm, I'm going to tell you how. So I gave him a tape of everything we just talked about. DRI, Chromags, right. Chromags, like Everything was very socially motivated. It was educational, political, social justice. It was all this shit was in there. Yeah. And he gave me a tape of BDP, Public Enemy, EPMD, and some other shit. He and dropped I, you right into the heart of it. Yeah, but what, what killed me was it was the same shit. They were the same thing in a different sound. It's so crazy, man. I felt enemy, the same way. Yeah. So I that I, I went home and I listened to it. And that day I I took my skateboard out and, and I graffitied again for the first time in I don't know how long. And I graffitied BDP on my skateboard in oh, public oh, enemy. Oh, and this is way before it was cool to be a skateboarder right. and way before skateboarding and hip hop were even had any in bed together. Yeah. So yeah. people were like, all my skate punk friends are like, what the fuck is BDP? And now it's like, it's just the norm. It's like, as everybody knows it. I remember I was into uh, BMX racing back then mm -hmm. so like you know there were places because i'm from the burbs so there were places in the burbs that people that it was like half nature half made there was this place called rolling wood jumps and you would go to rolling wood jumps and like it was just this weird place where it had like a path that took you to three big ass jumps off this hill and like when i would get the bmx mags Everybody was listening to metal, right? It was Metallica, yes, exactly. it was, which I loved. I mean, I loved Ozzy. I listened yeah, to all of that because I was from the Burbs. So that was what all the kids were playing, you know, ACDC, Hell's Bells, you know what I'm saying? Led Zeppelin, oh, yeah, saying? Exactly. Uh, Scorpions, you know what I'm saying? Blackout album, you know, all of that. But I remember one day someone wrote in, I'll never forget. I still have it somewhere, I think, at my parents' house where this person wrote in and they were like, yeah, it's cool that you know dudes are doing the ramps and everything and they're listening to metal but they said what about dr dre oh, and the world-class wrecking crew which like <laughs> i was a oh fan of God. that back then you know what i mean i was yeah. surgery right, right and like the the response in the mag was like that music sucks bro you know da, da, da. Oh, and i was God. like man it's so aligned but it's so funny that me and you had such a very similar path of totally um, totally so keep going though. Keep going. I'm, I'm blown away. Uh, yeah. So that, then, then I dove back cause I, hip hop had, had changed and, mm. and it changed with me cause mm. I was listening to punk rock that was very message driven 
as was the hip hop he exposed me to. So I fell in love with BDP and Karis One became, and this is right, right when by all means necessary dropped. Man, what an album, huh? Yeah, I still, I still, it's one of my favorite hip hop albums of all time, and I still listen to it. Um, Can I ask uh, you a question about yeah. about about specifically like that album and specifically about NW? Definitely. One of the things that I feel like when I speak to young people about hip hop and hip hop history is I'm always trying to tell them like, you know, because you were born at a time when it was already here, right? Like it is impossible for me to explain what it meant to hear NWA yeah. in a planet where nothing else like it existed. Right. When you right. got like, by all means necessary, man, like I remember that song, You're Slipping. I mean, oh, I love, yeah. I mean, dude. Dude, I still know the was whole album. Hard. Yeah, I know the whole album back to front. Every verse, every lyric. Oh man, I mean, like how crazy was that album for you, right? Like, I just wanna, like, can you share with the listeners what it meant to hear artists like Boogie Down Productions, yeah. like NWA and Public Enemy in a planet where none of that existed. Can yeah, you talk so about it, the impact of that on you? Absolutely. So I'll, I'll talk about each band. It was it was yeah. three that really got into my bloodstream. It was EPMD, mm -hmm. um, it was Public Enemy, and mm -hmm. it was uh, Boogie Down Productions. And mm -hmm. out of them, Boogie Down Productions was, was the one that really fucked me up because Karis won... Um, First off, I loved everything he was saying in the album as a whole. Come on, man. The album. But he was dropping knowledge like I'd never heard. But he also had a command of the English language I hadn't heard in hip hop. And like, his voice like was so. His yes. His voice was so. His voice was everything. so. It was so effortless and it was conversational and commanding. Ridiculous. And, and I, I had never heard a rapper like that. No. And, and, but what really got me was when I was like, Karis, like I listened to albums a few times. And then one time I realized Karis one knowledge reigns supreme over nearly everyone. And I was like, this motherfucker is the most brilliant human being artist I've ever heard. I Dude, dedicate my life to this motherfucker. He was light years ahead of everyone. He you still know what is. I mean? And in some he ways, in many is. ways still is, bro. Like artistically crazy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. He really is. You know what I mean? Like there's things about him as a person, you know, like me and him have had some issues, but like as an artist yeah ridiculous unprecedented and no matter no matter what i i, I think of his some of his ideas or whatever uh or the temple of hip-hop i have to say that as an artist he's one in a billion straight up no doubt no doubt you know I mean? but he also like, was an ambassador he's one in a billion and and i had right and a pioneer seen, right and i hadn't seen anyone really create or or nurture this idea of hip-hop culture it existed but i hadn't heard people really talk about it or try to find a way to to rally it together and, and help you idea. understand it right, right? and like right. this is a thing that we can go do that we right. can go be that we can go see that we can yes. create and I he talked about its purpose Mm -hmm. which I hadn't heard before. Mm -hmm. And it got especially me with edutainment and that yes, stuff. Yes, right? yes. Crazy. Oh, yep, yep. Exactly. Yeah. So that was that was my public and my my uh, BDP experience and, and I followed BDP to the ends of the earth mm. uh, until, you know, then Karis went solo and then his his first solo record Return of the Boom Bap, I couldn't stop listening to. 
and the second solo record, just self-titled Karis One, which is probably my favorite thing he's ever done. Dude, because that album was out of control. Dude, that album was crazy. I mean, you got premiere on production. You got, uh, I mean, he had guests from Fat Joe to Das Effects to Busta Rhymes. It, it, Angie Martinez. Live. Remember yeah, Angie, Angie Martinez yeah, on that yeah. track? It's yeah. the Butter Peak and Reekin. You wouldn't have like people say like J-Lo is the Butter Peak and Reekin. That right. whole line came oh, from Angie Martinez. Dude. Gave that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, come on, man. I mean, like, dude. And like uh, my favorite track on there was the uh, MC. Who am I? The MC. Yeah, Lottie that, Dottie. Woo. Yeah. Fire. Yes. Great. You know so, yeah, I was dedicated. I mean, when Jack of Spades, <laughs> he said I was dedicated. When Jack of Spades came out, I, and then I'm gonna get you, sucker. I couldn't like. I was like, this is the best. Like, this is the best. Ever. Okay, you know what's weird? What? I can't lie, dude. I thought Jack of Spades was trash. Oh my! I hated God, that I song. Jack Still do. Like, if oh. people play that, I'm always like, mm. like, like. I know, like, there are certain songs in hip hop that I know. I respect that other people like them, but I hate them. That's one. Yeah, I've seen you on Facebook do that. Talk about that. <laughs> yeah, but look, I, I'm I'm gonna fully admit I was such a fanboy for BDP. I didn't. They could put out trash, and I would. And love you'd be it. like, bomb. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so that was BDP. Then there was Public Enemy, and this was um, before. It takes a nation a million. Oh my this God. is my Uzi weighs a ton. Come on, dude. I remember buying that single and taking mm -hmm. it home, bro. Mm -hmm. What up? Boom, 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 yep. tap, boom, boom, so it, that it, was oh, the first time I was, I was really made aware of the black experience in America. Yeah. And I was yeah. I was learning from it, but it was public enemy had the raw power of New York hardcore that I was into. And I had never heard anything so dark and just powerful. And unflinching, and like it yeah. knew it was that and didn't care. It, yes, it and knew like, exactly. Dude, the cover said it all. Come the cover on. Cover that first record, it was a dude, on. pure darkness. And um, <laughs> and, and Terminator X's sound, I'd never Come heard on, man. Like so, and then, crazy. I mean, Chuck D, like what I liked about KRS and then here's Chuck D who's like a militant leader who's speaking with the confidence and, and, and command of like a, a like a sergeant, like, dude, it was out of control, man. It was so, you know, it, it's so crazy. You know, the visuals of that album, the visuals of public enemy, the S one W's, the names like Terminator X and stuff yeah. like you knew they were not like anybody else. And they were not like anybody. All, else. There's flavor Flav. Come on, man. And it was like, this, this is something, uh, something completely new. Unbelievable. So I got into public enemy and then um, it takes a nation of millions came out and it was over. It was just yeah. over. Like, uh, like rebel without a pause, forget it. Over. Over uh, um, black black steel in the hour of chaos like I, I was what done. Were, in I was the world done. and then and then they had the audacity to drop the video for black steel in the hour yes, of they chaos did. yes they did that's one of the best hip hop videos in the history of the game straight no up no that doubt. I mean that 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 was just bonkers um, so, so you know this so so how did that okay. I'm gonna say how I'm gonna ask. Did any of that 
impact any aspect of how you drew, how you pursued art? Absolutely. Or, or were they siloed worlds for you? No, no, no. They they impacted me. Like I said, I mean, the first thing I did was I got back to graffiti and started graffitiing mm. um, names of the bands on my skateboard. Mm. Uh, but then I, I was already in a socially conscious mode because of punk rock and hardcore. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But so this just nurtured that more. And this is when I got into a period where I was exploring like social consciousness in art. And I was getting really into the idea of telling stories that, that dealt with, with social stuff and like reading comics by Frank Miller, there were issues like real social issues in mm -hmm. there. So it definitely affected me on that level. But I also, I have to talk about, cause at the same time on that record, right. which was a total 180 from what BDP and public enemy were was EPMD. Mm. Mm. And, and Eric and Parrish were doing what? What were they doing? Making dollars. They were making dollars. Good so Lord. that out of all of it, uh, my love for BDP, my love for public enemy, but EPMD strictly business. Oh my God. Was just funk. And I could not stop listening to it. And to this day, Strictly Business is one of my most played records. It and they weren't, they weren't yelling, and that no, was weird, no, yeah, right? Because yeah. it was like, you know, everybody was in your face. Like, KRS-One was in your face. Yeah. LL Cool J. LL Cool J is. And these yeah. dudes were yes, just like, yes. you know what I'm saying? They were like melted remember. butter in a cast iron skillet. What was the first song that you remember hearing them Hearing from them because I'll tell you mine how it was I was strictly business. Them. It was on that. It was, oh, so that's how, that was your intro. I was okay. Done. So check it <laughs> on my whatever it had to be. I want to say my 17th birthday. My dad got me two 12 inch speakers, pioneers, okay. gigantic, gigantic speakers for the house, right? Because I was a DJ, right? Okay. I went to the record store, bought my first CD, which was what the first CD I had was Kraftwerk, you know, that the, the album that had Computer World on it. I think. Yeah, that was yeah, yeah, called, yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then it had just come out, dude. It was Eric B and Rakim's Seven Minutes of Madness. Oh, dude. Remix. I hadn't even heard it. I just got it because I knew it was going to be crazy. Right. So I got the speakers, that album, and I got some kind of bizarre uh compilation and it's my thing was on that oh, compilation. It's right so the whole compilation was trash i don't i can't tell you anything other thing that was on there but let me tell you when i put on i was like oh my lord exactly it's a world premiere i was like oh what has happened and i followed them from that day forward, like me too, me too. Uh, someone, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. No, I was just, dude. I'm, I'm just having a flashback with you. That's it. Yeah. So someone DM'd me last week the new track that Hit Boy did with Nas and EPMD, and they sent it to me. They DM'd it to me and like, what do you think? And it was just like a clip from the video of Nas, and yeah. I was like, I'm hype. And they're like, I haven't yeah. liked Nas since Illmatic. I was like, I'm hyped for EPMD. Like, <laughs> that's just it, man. Like, I, I, I'm not I'm even here for Nas yet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, for Nas yet. He just got a Grammy. We're good. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Wow. 
dude, you are, you are, you are taking me back, man. EPMD, listen to all the young people out there. If you ever really need to understand how flow works. Yeah. Dudes, crazy. Yeah. And no one had really embraced funk in hip hop like that. And that's what not till Dre, not till right, Dre, right, I feel right, like, right? right? At the time, right. Yeah. yeah exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So uh that I mean that's still and then dude when when um so what you saying came out of, like the second record like I was, oh my uh, god and everybody song. blows it on that second album in hip-hop yeah, right that they, sophomore slump is so real but they just yeah. came through punching you straight in the jaw like oh you thought we didn't yeah. know what we were so doing what you saying the importance of a yeah yeah we're back to work i took time off while other rappers got jerked oh, i mean oh my I, it's, god. Crazy. it's crazy three weeks later the lp went gold so yes. what you're saying <laughs> Yes. And that beat, that guitar, that funky little guitar. Oh my God. Yeah. So, so crazy. That was my introduction to hip hop. And then I was just done. And I can just, I can trace it like act to act, record yeah. to record till, till today. Dude, that's so crazy. I love EPMD, man. I am. Um, Me, Me too. I love their shows. I love everything about their style. You know what I'm saying? Their lyricism. Yeah. Crazy. I was heartbroken when they broke up. And I know. I loved that Fife would always rap about how much he loved EPMD. Yeah, I remember there was a, there was a song there was a song by uh, Jedi Mind Tricks. I forget oh. which one. What what Vinny Paz is like? We need EPMD to drop more hits. Yes. And I was yes. like, see, come on, man, Vinny yes. Paz, he's so hard. Yeah, dude, that that um Violent by Design record. Oh my god, that gosh. fucked me up when I first heard that. And Visions of Gandhi rocked me. There's hard. too many. Like, he is probably, for me, I think Vinny Paz is one of the most underrated rappers. No doubt. In recent history. No like, doubt. And I think Stoop is one of the most underrated producers. Oh, dude, Stoop is crazy. Stoop, that's what I loved about Jedi Mind Tricks was he was um, like sampling multicultural music. There was like, oh my there God, were like I, Middle Eastern chants and Spanish over an order with hip hop drums. With, with, yeah, with gangster ass Vinnie Paz. Like, I couldn't, Stoop could do no wrong. And when they, when Vinnie started making Jedi Mind Tricks albums without Stoop, is when I stopped. Hey, you know what? It was hard because you knew what to expect and, you know, respect to all the dudes who try to, you know, rock with Vin. But like that sound. Yeah. yeah. was never it was never replicated. It just wasn't. I agree. Replicated. I agree. But that's what I loved about Visions of Gandhi. I think that's dude yeah. at his best. Like, come on, man. Yeah. This is so crazy. me, And it's crazy because uh, I just talked with this dude who I'm going to have on the show and he's got this whole hip hop orchestra thing in London. And his name is Giorgio. And like, he's like a, a young, a young orchestra dude whose whole background is in like Beethoven and everything, but he loves hip hop. Oh, and so cool. I'm gonna have him come on the show. And we, we were talking, we were talking about, we were talking about Stoop yesterday. Cause I was like, no way this guy knows about Stoop. He totally knew what it was. <laughs> so yeah, dude. So like, dude, okay. So hold on. We got to jump into this comic thing. Cause I need to get from you. Okay. Like, you know, and I'm I'm coming to you on bended knee as someone who is not like as much as you know about hip hop. I know nothing about comics. Like, okay. I'm, I'm coming in as just like a Yo Jimbo fan who mm -hmm. also will periodically sprout off into you know what I mean, one or two right. episodes or whatever. Right. So I kind of want to get a sense of you, like 
when you look at the landscape now, like, you know, the DC and Marvel movies have totally kind of stepped forward and become this right. whole thing where, where because of technology, a lot of the stuff that you could only imagine in the comic space on paper is now happening, you know what I mean? Uh, uh, in, in these amazing, you know, these amazing technologies now, right, right. like, but at the same time, you know, when I speak to the people who, who, who I know that, 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 that love the comic space, and are in the comic space, I always see that the tug of war between what what's in the actual comic culture and what's on the screen, right? Like, right. like how far away are those worlds and is it good for the culture or is it just good for the box office? Um, all right. So I, I could go into this. So a few things, is it good for the, for the culture Yes, if we think of the culture, if you're talking about Marvel and DC, mm-hmm. we're talking about superhero culture, not just print medium comics. Right. Um, did the movies, the, the, the print industry of superhero comics is suffering and has been suffering for a long time. And, and it's a self-inflicted wound. Self-inflicted? Uh, that sounds controversial. Yeah, it's yeah, the the uh so the comics industry is built in America on the on, on the success of us of, of the superhero books. Mm-hmm. And it's built on and the industry itself is built uh, around this idea of call it's called direct distribution. You have one distributor of comic books for all comic book shops. Right. So it's, it's a bit of a monopoly. Um, in 19, in the, in the late eighties, comics gained a lot of popularity with collectors because people who had like Spider-Man number one, when they were kids were now older. And if they had saved it and happened to it take care of it, which was yeah. really rare, it was worth a shit ton of money. So <laughs> True. collectors now were like, Oh, this is comics are like gold. So they came in and started buying books and then the publishers responded by overproducing. Mm. So, and they produced, this is the, the era of the, the foil covers, all the variant. Right, 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 right. And, and the artists had center stage and the writers, the, the stories took a back seat to flashy imagery. So what made comics great, the stories and the art like harmonizing had fell out of balance and they had overpublished, overproduced a bunch of uninteresting books that looked cool. And the industry collapsed once everyone realized all these comics they were buying as investments would be worth nothing <laughs> because there was 50,000 copies of them. Every many. Yeah. There was just too many. So the industry collapsed on itself. And this is when I was trying to break in. And it was at a time where like veterans were out of work. So how hard was that for you? And what gave you the fortitude to stay? Because a lot of people just would have been like, I'm out. Right. Uh, It was really, really hard for me. It was hard for me for a few reasons. Uh, The market was tiny. Jobs were not available. And I was coming in with a (sighs) graffiti-influenced style, which which was losing popularity. And um, I was cartoony at a time when – and this is when – Marvel made a, a, a decision that they wanted their books to look real 
Interesting. Like real, real people. They wanted their world to look like a real world. This is what led up to the movies. Right. So I, anyone coming in at this point was, was had a tough road ahead of them. Anyone coming in at this point with my style had an even harder road ahead of them. So how did you maintain? It was for me, because I'm still struggling. For me, it's just been, it's why I'm here. It's my calling. It's what I do. If I don't do it, I don't feel I have a role in this planet. Like it's, it's what I'm here to do. So. Right. It's your niche. It, it's who you are. It's your, your. Right. It was, so it was never a question of what else should I do? It was just like, this is what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. And it, I mean, sure. It, Gave me a lot of heartache, gave me a lot of stress, but I just kept at it because it was, it was, I don't know if I'm stubborn or stupid, but I just, I just kept at it because it was dude, what it's I wanted funny, to do. Dude. That's and people, if you tell me no, I don't believe you. Like, yeah, I, I never believed no. I believed like, oh, there's a way. It's crazy. I feel the and same way about all this hip hop chess shit. You know what I mean? And the yeah. jujitsu shit. Like, I can't let go of it. It's not exactly. even an issue exactly. of like, oh, you're still trying to do that? It's like, no, I'm not still trying to do it. I'm actually doing it on a right. level. This is who I am. You know what I'm this saying? Like, I'm never going to not do it. Like, no matter what happens, I'm never going to not do it. You know? Right, right. Exactly. And I don't, I mean, I'm a dreamer. I'm a fool. I'm an artist. Like, and when I sit down and do it, I have no doubts. This is what I'm here to do. So it, it was hard, but I never, uh, I never, I never entertained the idea of, of, I mean, I did teach, I did work in animation. I did all of these other things to survive while I never stopped pursuing comics. Bro. So So, I'm, I'm going through my phone right now because I'm trying to, there's so many people that I want you to meet. I think I've talked to you about Hannibal Taboo before. He he's a black comic dude out of L.A. And then there's Carmelita Sanchez Ramirez, Mm -hmm. who does a lot of stuff with the Boyle Heights um, Art Conservatory in L.A. And, you know, there's my boy Alan up in Canada who does, you know, he's got his own comics that he's been dropping lately. And so I'm starting to be surrounded by people who are really in it and Mm -hmm. have been in it for a while. Uh and you know so when i when i and and i can't draw at all you know and so i'm always interested in comics and i'm starting to find myself more and more kind of like drawn in so when you look at the landscape right now what excites you what excites me about the medium right now so i was talking about how uh comics is going through a self-inflicted wound Mm -hmm. um Marvel and DC as publishers are struggling right now. They're, they're dying. They're, they're, and it's, it's understandable. They they haven't put out good books. They, they've, they've just, they're just vomiting the same ideas out over and over. And then they just started. um, So the artists destroyed the industry back then. I talked about that, but then Mm. they ushered in the way for the writer and early on comics got really good again you had really good writers and really good artists making really good books and then social media kind of hit and social justice stuff started happening and writers were being hired and this also in the movies started to hit so Mm. people wanted to get into comics now as a writer whereas they'd never thought about it before 
Um, so they didn't so, understand the universes. They didn't necessarily care. Is this more is this so kind of like understand the medium, I think, is the bigger mm. issue. Um, and yeah, they didn't understand the universes. They didn't understand the readership. But um, it, the publishers became more concerned with. Are you a brand on social media and will that help sell our books beyond that? like you can write a awful script it doesn't matter and then what happened for artists like me was i was like the cleanup crew it's like here's a script draw it and i'd read it and i was like this doesn't even work like right yeah this isn't what it needs to be at so all my right. job which used to be as a artist and storyteller now became a fix-it man on top of the artist storyteller so i went from drawing books where i felt like a director like really telling mm -hmm. a story to now because of deadlines my time was e just eaten up by making it work just making it legible you were kind of like a teacher who's got a noisy class so you can't really teach until you get everybody quiet so you exactly. that was that was what you had to do exactly wow. so uh i lost a lot of joy in, in the act of it and and i went on to see these writers um, go on to major financial mm -hmm. and, and all sorts of different successes while I'm struggling. And it's like, this is backwards. And I got real kind of burnt and bent on the business and was like, I, I need to do comics my way. Right. Th this is not going. And it's still in that direction. I mean, I, I was just involved with, uh, with something with DC. And uh, I, I mean, the story was, was just, terrible like right. the idea i was like this is like this is the problem how do you think this right. is going to be interesting to anyone right um so right now i think comics is creatively more fruitful than i've ever seen it it's the most creatively healthy uh industry it's ever been it's in right. a it's in a transitional phase so it used to not be so creatively healthy because if you weren't writing or drawing for Marvel and DC, like a superhero comic, your chances of making a living were slim to none. There were some great comics being produced in the indie world and other publishers found their niche like Dark Horse mm -hmm. and Boom mm -hmm. and Valiant. But um, now it seems like it's, it's a time where the audience is more accepting of anything happening in a comic book, any genre. It's interesting where it wasn't, it was, it was like, it was super, Superman would never do that. Like, right. so like it. Yeah. the movies didn't bring in new readers. The movies didn't at all. So it's not like these movies came out and all of a sudden comics, Marvel comics. That seems really so well. weird to me in, in my head. That had to be a given, but it is not a given. No, it's not. And I'll tell you, the movies are kicking ass and, and the comics are just throwaway material for the most part. So, because you, I it's hitting me, and I'm I'm afraid. The only reason I'm interrupting you is because I'm afraid I won't right. ask if I don't do it. So you know they had this whole thing with Tana Hasey Coates where he was mm -hmm. he he wrote some stuff with the Red Skull, kind of you know who's kind of aligned with like a Nazi s character, right? Right, and 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 uh, and and Captain America, and he was saying all this stuff that kind of uh echoed a lot of, of of jordan peterson's work for people that don't know jordan peterson is kind of a he's a canadian canadian scholar who um he's trying to help 
men be men, but a lot of people find his stuff to have bigoted, you know, stuff in it. And it's weird because I was a big fan of some of his early work, to be honest. Uh huh. And I started seeing him talk about culture and I was like, Ooh, right. <laughs> and so, and so, and so like, I was a legit fan. Like I was getting ready to buy, he had some, like some several week course you could take online. I was about to take that course. And then I started seeing some of the stuff he was saying. And I was like, I can't rock with you. You're so far away, but you're so smart. And so, you know, recently I've seen some people talking about how Ta-Nehisi's code stuff that, 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 that deals with, uh, that deals with, with the red skull echoes a lot of the anti-feminist stuff of Jordan Peterson. And I see some of, you know, this, you know, it sounds, it feels like a wave of social justice is about to like play itself out in these superheroes what do you think about that? Is that good or bad? Like, are we making superheroes too real? Yeah, uh, well. I, I yeah. like the fantasy idea of a lot of these people. The reason I love cartoons is because it's the only place you can hit somebody in the head with the anvil and they're okay. Right, so right. I enjoy that. Right. So I don't necessarily expect to get my, and I'm not saying that that what's happening in 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 the comic book is the wrong thing. But I'm saying, when we are we making them too real, or is that what needs to happen? Um, I, th- uh, uh, it's a good question, and it's something that's been sort of plaguing the industry. So my good friend Axel Alonso used to be the editor in chief at Marvel, mm. and Axel's half Mexican, and mm. his his um, initial he he is also a huge hip hop fan. So the Mm. Marvel hip hop variants was his idea based on a conversation him and I had. Mm. And so he was really into this idea of expanding the, the culture of comics um, through Marvel. And he was ultimately fired and they cited that as the reason. I mean, he mm. created um, like, he's the one who brought Tanaheshi into Marvel. Um, he created uh, like the, the um, like miles Mar- Morales was his idea way wow. back then. And when he created it, everyone was like, this is horrible. This is stupid. And now all those same people are, are celebrating wow. it. It's so, always that way with the pioneers, right? Just they, they take it on the chin like so heavily. Yeah. It's so the and he bird. created a, a Korean Hulk because his wife is Korean and and his little nephew, um, when he saw what they were doing with the Hulk, like his little nephew got so excited that he could see himself in the mm-hmm. Hulk, and then he got scared because he thought he was going to turn into a Hulk. Wow. So this all I think was healthy stuff and Axel was bringing in like really smart and talented writers and artists to do this stuff. But then I I don't, he's a, he's a supremely intelligent human being. Clearly. But then the people that went along with it were not. Mm. And it just became like, Oh, uh, you're, Muslim, you're popular on social media and you want to write comics, here's a job. And danger, and he, Will Robinson, danger. Right. So then that's when the backlash started happening. I mean, you've got the old guard of comic book readers who just want superheroes to be like they were in the 70s. And they were not happy at the diversity that was coming in. And then the books were 
terrible. And this is where we are now. Mm. Marvel and DC are not putting out like what their brand, they're not on brand right now in, in a lot of their books. It's more like, well, we need a trans hero so that audience can buy that. Can identify with this hero. Yeah. Right, but they're not making good stories. So what- What? what and that's is- not enough, right? Like it's not enough for no, no, this no, no, particular no. superhero to be trans or whatever, right? Like, yeah, I, you know, that's such a deep thing, man, because is that like bigotry in the system turning a blind eye to what could really be or- Sometimes I wonder, are these things that happen when the culture and the industry just haven't caught up yet in terms of skill and ideas? Yeah. Like, is, is it premature? You know what I mean? Are we taking it out of the oven well, too soon? But it's not that the bread's bad. We're just taking it out too early. Right. I, th- I think it's all stuff that should be explored, definitely. But, you know, Marvel, I, I think getting back to what you said, and I think this is right, is the 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 it superhero books used to be fun and and now it's like and they used to be like crazy and imaginative and and ludicrous right and now with the movies it's got to be real it's got to have a social message and and it's it's so based in reality that madness of it is gone and that's what makes it beautiful that's what makes a comic book work like when you like now movies can make anything look real anything so comics should be going farther yeah not away from i totally agree i and totally agree so, yeah that's, wow. that that's, that i think is is a big thing i mean the the magic is gone and the craft the, the medium suffers because like you could have someone who's a, a skilled veteran comic book superhero storyteller and they're making this new, uh, just let's say a Filipino superhero. Right. But if the artist isn't Filipino, they're not going to put them on the book. So, yo, I struggle with a lot of that stuff too. Right. Like, yeah. even this isn't a comic book story, but it's just in the hip hop and in the, in the black film world. They had that, the, uh, that black Messiah movie. Right. And so I know the guy who was the main actor is like a black British person. And there were African-Americans who were like, Oh, you know, he shouldn't have done that, you know? And I'm just like, who cares? He killed it. Why would you, you you know what I'm saying? And it's like, Oh, you know, he can't identify. You don't know what he can identify with. First of all, you have no idea what he can identify with. And he murked the role. So why are we like, why are we, you know what I mean? Like, and so like that stuff if if he can identify as long as the story gave you the impression he could and if the artist isn't filipino but they draw beautiful dynamic explosive artistic you know what i mean like it 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 starts to get weird quick now a quick thing because me and my friend alan we were talking the other day and he was asking me about the 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 black panther franchise you know um um and like, oh, you know, should the actor be replaced? Should the actor not? What does that do for the culture? What does that do right, for the right. potential outreach of what Black Panther uh, could could be after Chadwick Boseman? And I'm just like, I don't know, man. Like, like, I don't know. But then one thing he mentioned was, you know, the Black Panther of the film is not the Black Panther of the comic. Exactly. And exactly. I could, he, I, you know, and 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 
I got a sense that he, who is not black, um, was hurt by that a bit. You know what I mean? As a real comic book person. And so, you know, what are your thoughts on what could or should be the future of the Black Panther? You know, I'll say, let me films at least. I'm not a like, I'm not a continuity comic nerd. I didn't grow up steeped in comics. Mm. I love the comics, but I'm also like not sold to the idea of where things started and, and people feel they should stay. Um, I love the, I mean, like I said, that my first experience to comics was like this blasphemous idea of a retired Batman and I loved it. And that's what I loved about it because I am, I'm a child of counterculture, Mm. punk rock, hip hop, Mm -hmm. metal, comic books, graffiti. (laughs) So, you know, Uh, within comics, if you can be counterculture to a counterculture, well, was what was a counterculture thing. Right. I'm even I'm doubling down and going in. So, So, I mean, if comics has taught me one thing, it's that every character can change in any way. So I, I don't care what they do with the Black Panther, as long as it's interesting, as long as it's good. I mean, there, there's theories that, yeah. that his sister could become the next Black right. Panther. Uh, do you just replace the actor and keep that character alive? I, I don't know. I mean, Chadwick Boseman did a, a, an amazing job playing that role. Why yeah. do we need to keep that character the same? Right. You've established the universe already. There's right. other people that can step up and take the mantle. And maybe that's the direction the story goes in. Who's the Black Panther? Who's worthy of the Black Panther? Right. You know? Yeah, you know, that's, 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 that's super deep. Yeah, that's super deep. And that's what comics would traditionally do in this sort of situation. What do you, when you, when you look at, okay, now we're going to pivot a little bit into the technology piece of it. Okay. Like, you know, you've been doing some NFT type stuff. Yep. And um, so here's my, my cliff noted Bitcoin story. Okay, go ahead. In the early days of Bitcoin, and I mean early, I got like $5,000 in Bitcoin. Uh-huh. And I was afraid because everybody was saying like, it's new money. You know, the government's going to be taxing oh, crazy. No. You can get oh, snatched. No. And I'm black. So I'm like, <laughs> yo, they're coming for me. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. They're coming for me. So I got out so early. Oh, no. That's like, gonna- dude, if I would have held it, I'd be like talking to you from the Bahamas. Oh, dude. Oh, I, I you know what? Like, I actually, right before this show, I almost tried to calculate what I would have had, you know, now. And I, I didn't do it just out of- What year was this? It would have been like 2009. Oh, dude, you'd be fucking set. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. Oh my so God. just put, the, put that in your phone. But if I had 5,000 in Bitcoin in 2009, how much would it be right now? Oh my God. Yeah. Figure so that, that so, so, so tell me about, tell people who don't still understand what is an NFT? Why does it matter? And how is this good for artists? Okay. Um, so I don't really understand it. I, I'll tell, I'll start mm. off by saying that. I mean, me and Mike realm, who you talked about earlier, we're, we're mm. all of our NFT, we're doing a lot of NFT stuff together now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know that we truly understand it. NFT stands for non-fungible token. Mm-hmm. And it's basically um, 
so in the in the comic world if you draw a page like when i work on batman i draw a page of batman and i use pencil paper pen brush and ink i have an original piece of artwork when i'm done Mm. i am allowed to sell that and it's all my money because i'm not reproducing anything it's an original piece of artwork now when the technology came out to create comics digitally which offered people hold on a second my friend go ahead one thousand dollars invested in bitcoin in 2010 yeah 287.5 million oh my god and how much did you have i had five thousand jesus christ man that's heartbreaking Let's just have a moment of silence right now. Oh my God, dude. <laughs> that's, that's awful. Oh, that's a true story, bro. Yeah. I remember taking the money out of the bank. I remember having my little wallet, you know, my Bitcoin wallet. And like send it over because I was like, I don't know. We should just I don't want to get snatched by the by the FBI. That was my whole right, thing. Right, right. Oh, that's fucking brutal, dude. Oh man. Okay, you gotta move on. Yeah, yeah, that's hard. That's hard. <laughs> <laughs> that's really hard. <gasps> Let's go. Where were we, bro? Where uh, were we? I don't know. That, that Tell me something, me. man. Tell me something. That fucked me up. NFTs. Right, <laughs> NFTs. So, all right. So, all right. Back to that. Um, so, when p- the technology came along and people realized they could make comics on their computer and because they were there was software out for it, it would speed up their process. Word. Um, people... Uh, artists had a conversation. Do I switch to digital because I'll be faster? And if I'm faster, I can take on more work and I'll make more money, but I lose the ability to sell the original art, which is a secondary market. Right. So I was one of the people who was like, I'm going to learn how to do it on the computer, but I'm not going to stop making comics traditionally. So I took right. about a year and did all digital and then went right back to all traditional. Oh, wow. What what programs did you study for those that are curious? I well at the time it was called Manga Studio and now it's called Clip Studio Paint. It's okay. It's really I found the most um, intuitive software for making comics. Wow! And what I liked about it was I knew Photoshop because comics had been colored using Photoshop for a long time. So I knew Photoshop. And uh, Manga Studio used a Photoshop interface. It looked like it looked the same and acted the mm. same. Tools were the same. Mm-hmm. So I remember one day I bought it and I, I started in the morning. I was like, I'm just going to start. I'm going to draw this issue digitally. And I'm going to start today. And I finished my first page in like four hours, whereas normally it was like 10 hours. Wow. And it was the transition was that easy. And that was day one. So it got faster. But ultimately, I didn't enjoy drawing on a computer and drawing on glass. Like, even though the technology is mind blowing, um, that point of your stylus isn't the thing making the mark. Still. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the computer reading that point and simulating a mark. It's so deep that you say that because not nearly as 
cool as a as a writer right and as a and as a and as a as a journalist like there's still something to me putting a physical pen on the paper yes there's still something to me picking a book up and highlighting it you know what i mean like i like this section and you know what i mean it's it's so weird man i i totally understand what you're saying so yeah so what nfts offer is so the technology of the nft is they figured out a way to encode every pixel of a piece of artwork so that your digital creation is an original piece so mm. that even though people might have jpegs of that page there's it is only not one certified original and so it offers digital artists uh, the ability to return to that secondary market in comics or primary market outside of comics of selling your artwork well you know digital Dude, that is so beautiful to, right so digital artists used to have to sell prints now prints are are generally a lot cheaper than an original. Of course. But now they can make prints and sell an original. And Dude, so that's that's really that's hot. big. That's really that's hot. big. And so they popped up very quickly. And I remember Mike and I were kind of like on the page with, with talking about it. And like we jumped on very early and we're still like, not fully off the ground with it yet it's moving so fast and changing so much that like we've had projects ready to launch and then like the next day we couldn't launch it that's crazy we'll stay on it because you don't want to make my bitcoin mistake you understand me no 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 that's what i'm doing now oh my god my heart is still i'm picking it up off the floor yeah so i mean i saw friends of mine like a friend of mine had a batman cover he drew Mm. And my art dealer had been trying to sell that cover for a little while for probably $1,500. Right. And they made an NFT of it, animated Batman's cape flapping in the wind. He sold it for 30 grand. So the, like my art dealer's like, I'm getting two to three times as much on NFT. And what he's doing, which is smart is with the purchase of the NFT, you're getting that original piece of artwork in the mail too. So the NFT for him is a marketing tool for selling the original art. Dude, I, um, I think that's amazing. Like I'm totally, I was already into it, but I'm totally into it now. Right. But now get this Marvel and DC have shut down anyone's ability to sell NFTs. What do you mean? Of their characters. That's what <gasps> I mean. Shut your mouth. Yeah. So Mike and I had made, uh, these NFTs of, I did a painting of the Hulk. I did a yeah. painting of Spider-Man and they were dope ass paintings. Mike animated them, put sound to them and with these little movies and no one had done that with like, this is right before Marvel and DC shut it down. No one had done the sound and animation like this yet. So my art dealer was like, we're going to make like a hundred grand on each of these. And for someone who's still struggling like me, I was like, holy Come shit. Come on, bro. For the yeah. first time in my life, I'm going to I'm gonna have a, a, a nest. I'm about to, know? right. And, um, and then Marvel and DC came out and shut it down. So we couldn't release them. And, and it, it killed me. So, well, Marvel did it first. So then I was like, fuck, all right. I'm going to, I started a yeah, Batman. Drop this DC, right. Right. And then as I was finishing that, DC shut it down. So now Mike and I are just doing original content, dude. which is great for me. Um, 
because I'm getting back to my roots as an artist in a lot of ways. And I'm really enjoying that, but it, it took a lot for me because I didn't feel like Dude. people would want something I drew that wasn't something licensed that they were familiar with, which, which was not a healthy mindset to have. Nah. And, and it, it, you know, there's always this issue of, you know, whether you're doing, you know, art like you do or whether you're doing writing like I do where you just question its value right you know there's a part of you that I mean like for me like do I believe that I'm a dope writer of course but I also think that I can't stop writing so right. you know like even if you think I suck I can't stop so right right that's exactly right you know what I mean so it's crazy man i'm so glad you came on bishop chronicles today man this has been a fantastic conversation yeah i've had remind a blast. people remind people how they can get a hold of you and show me what you've been drawing over there this whole time. oh all right so i'm working on a series of nfts um paintings i'm gonna do paintings and yeah. they're a celebration e each piece is a celebration of one hip-hop album okay and the subject matter of all of them is going to be like a beautiful woman and psychedelic imagery like mushrooms yeah so this one wow wow is uh ill communication by the beastie boys I'll show, <laughs> I'll show you the sketch for this one which i call peaches Ooh, that's fresh southern playlistics album wow so that'll be next so dude that's lit. Thank you. That's lit. Thank you. Well, yo, man, thank you for sharing your art and your path and your journey. Thank you for all your contributions to, to, to the comic culture, to hip hop culture. You know, like this stuff is a big deal, man. And, and, and I'm so glad that I, that I got to sit with you on the show. I'm definitely going to have you back after my book drops. You know what I mean? For sure. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff. We've got to talk about that, but um, sure. you know what I'm saying? Uh, remind people how they can get a hold of you uh, before, before you dip out, man. All right. So on all social media, I'm at Ink Pulp. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter. I got a Facebook page. I'm on TikTok now. And I also Dope. have a YouTube channel where my podcast is, which Adisa was on. Yeah. And I yeah. also have a new thing I launched, which I just need to talk about real quick, called Ink Pulp Instruction, which is at inkpulpinstruction.com. And this is my new business where I'm creating um, what I call them episodes, but they're videos that teach you how to draw uh comics all different aspects of comic yeah. and art itself but each episode i mean there's a bunch with me doing it but i have uh the majority of them are and will be with like the best comic talent in the world where you're going to watch them create a piece from beginning to end and the whole time i'm asking them questions so it's like inviting a developing artist or, or even a seasoned artist into the mind of these brilliant artists Dude. and learning from it. So that's my new venture. I mean, COVID wiped out publishing. We didn't even talk about that. And that I was know. what I put together to, because I was like, if Marvel and DC, cause I was already fading away from them before COVID and if freelance work, which I was kind of not feeling anyway, is going away. I need, need to figure out, like where your head is i had to become like an artist entrepreneur now like i am my own business how am i going to sell yep. shit and so that was one of the early ideas i had and dude we that's fantastic thank you we release a new episode every other month i've got all of 2021 shot and ready to be released and i'm starting to shoot for 2022 
That's fantastic, bro. Thanks, well, so man. Just stay strong with it. Once COVID's over, I'm definitely coming down. We're gonna kick it proper. You got to come to Cali, and, and we'll figure oh, it out, yeah. man. For sure, you know for saying? sure. Much for respect, sure. Sean. Thanks for being on Bishop Chronicles. Thank you Yo, for having me. Follow this dude. Study this dude. He knows what he's talking about. This is beautiful <laughs> stuff, and this is what we try to bring you. We'll see you next time, Worldwide West Side. You know how we do. All right, now, peace. Peace. Teacher, what style is that? It's my own secret technique. What's it called? 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 What's it called?